manga, folks. This is VLord GTZ. Um, I'm just uh, starting out this episode with a quick uh, preface. Um, as you may have noticed, there hasn't been an episode in a while. And the big reason for that is that I've been trying to think about how I can reformat this podcast to be more entertaining to you, the listener. And while I love doing the Shonen Sun and Shonen Magazine recaps, I do feel that they get a bit long-winded and repetitive in talking about the manga, and a lot of the time is just spent on the actual recap rather than the core discussion. So my solution to that instead is to kind of shift this show more towards uh, series discussions and volume discussions. Um, so basically how that will work is that we'll still talk about a lot of the manga that we're talking about right now. Tony Kawaii, Hitman, Zero's Tea Time, Detective Conan, and all, all that great stuff. But instead we're going to focus more on a volume-by-volume basis. Uh, with probably the exception of Detective Conan, because from how Oyama now releases that series, um, they'd probably better do that on a case-by-case uh, basis, but we'll figure that out in the long term. Um, in any case, this will also allow us to talk about more series that we wouldn't be able to talk about in like the weekly chapter recap format that we're doing. So there are definitely a lot of series, even outside of Shonen Sunday and Shonen Magazine, that I really want to talk about, like Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba, which I think I've mentioned before is one of my favorite ongoing manga, so I'd love to talk about that. And there's just so much manga coming out, both in Japan and in the U.S. now, that I just feel that it's hard to cover everything with the format we were doing. I want this new format to be able to encapsulate a lot more manga than what we could have previously. So I hope you guys enjoy the new uh, format of the show, and please give us your feedback please send in questions um criticism improvements what you like about the show um everything is helpful in improving this podcast and we really appreciate it and i hope you enjoyed this episode welcome to drowning in manga where we explore the deep dark depths of manga I'm your host, VLORGTZ, and I'm my co-host. Uh, 900. I am very unrehearsed because we haven't done this in a while. Yes, it's been a long time since we've recorded, but this time we're talking about a very, very good combo of series, Detective Conan and Zero's uh, Tea like Time. It's like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, basically. Though I guess, like, it's not really peanut butter and jelly because, like, they never run at the same time, so I I can't really think of a different comparison. Like vanilla and chocolate. What in chocolate? Vanilla, you know, like ice cream. Oh, yeah, yeah. That that's actually yeah. That that makes sense. Yeah, vanilla and chocolate. Let's go with that. Um. Good. Yeah, both both very tasty, but both uh, pretty different. But they both have in common one thing, that they're both the same universe. <laughs> oh, I thought it was because they were in Shonen Sunday magazine. That too. But, yeah, oh. like... 
in any case, uh, yeah, let's just like get straight into this. Hey. So we're gonna start off with Detective Conan here. Um, chapters ten eighteen through ten twenty one. This case is the Kaito Kid and the Fairy's Lips case. And in this case, it's basically about like Heiji and Kazuha visiting uh, Ran and Conan in uh, Tokyo. But while they're there, it turns out Jirokichi and Kaito Kid are having another face-off. And this time, Kaito Kid is stealing a uh, jewel called the Fairy's Lip. So uh, Jirokichi is preparing this jewel for the face-off. And he's trying to figure out how to prevent Kid from even touching the jewel. How to basically ward him off and like basically finally get the one up on Kaito. But uh, none of the cops are really agreeing with his ideas at all. And he's just kind of really frustrated that they don't really want to go on the offensive like uh, he does against Kaito. But then suddenly out of nowhere... Motofushi appears uh, from the Nagano Prefecture Police. Um, he's appeared in uh, many chapters before. Most notably, he's uh, friends with uh, Inspector uh, Kansuke Yamato, who is everyone's favorite scarred, uh, caned uh, police officer who's a total badass. But uh, yeah, Cute. so Motofushi is uh, here... Uh, to uh, attend to a letter that's apparently addressed to him that was sent to the Tokyo police. And he had come uh, to uh, encounter Jiokichi by chance uh, when he was in Tokyo. And he proposed the idea to Jirokichi of encapsulating the jewel in a big block of ice. And then cover that like even further so that like it's in clear view... Uh, for it to be showcased at the event that Jirokichi wants it to be at, but still open enough that Kaito can attempt to steal it, but fail in the process and Jirokichi can finally get the one-up. But uh, when uh, when they go to uh, see this jewel, Ron, Conan, Heiji, and Kazuha, and Kogoro, um, the jewel broker is bragging about how he found it in like, an oyster shell, how uh, he's looking forward to if it gets stolen that he'll be able to get like a, a basically a uh, reimbursement on it from Jirokichi but there's also a woman uh, in the museum claiming that Jirokichi or not Jirokichi uh, the broker stole the jewel from her and has been refusing to give it back so um Initially, Kaito seems very apprehensive to the idea of stealing the jewel because he'll have to deal with Heiji, Conan, and Morifushi, which is kind of a pretty strong triple threat because they're all really smart guys. But after he hears this woman uh, begging for her jewel back from the broker and being like hauled away in the ex in like the exhibit, um, Kaito decides to go ahead and plan to steal the jewel. So he sends out a letter to uh, to Inspector Nakamori on the floor of the exhibition saying that tonight at midnight I shall appear to claim the fairy's lip. While everyone is focused on the message 
Heiji's more focused on Kazuha. And, like, he's still, like, uh, banging around his head about, like, the fact that, like, Shinichi managed to confess to Ron before he could confess to Kazuha. And, yeah, so he's just, instead of focusing on the case, he's just constantly thinking about how he can confess to Kazuha in the best way possible to one-up Shinichi. But as the case goes on, um, Kaito Kid is, notices how Heiji is acting towards Kazuha and realizes that the best way to deal with the situation is to disguise himself as Kazuha. So he basically dresses up as a woman, spills coke on Kazuha's dress, and then when she's in the bathroom, he puts her to sleep and then comes out, disguises her. And for the rest of the case, it's basically like Kid in like Kazuha's appearance trying to fool everyone. And basically, Kid's plan involves going into the area where the jewel is being hidden using a smoke screen to hide what he's going to do and then drill a hole into the ice block to quote-unquote take the jewel and all of a sudden plant a bunch of fake jewels using a artistic tech ice block artistic technique to instill multiple fake jewels inside the block and so this basically stuns everyone in the building and they're trying to figure out should they melt the block should they like figure out um where kid is or what what's his real plan did he really steal the jewel but uh um basically uh they just end up deciding to melt the ice block because uh they might as well uh move along and make the investigation easier for the police all while this is going on um a kid dressed up as Kazuha still is uh planning the final stage of his plan which ends up uh making them stay overnight at the exhibition and during this time when they're uh her and Heiji are alone Heiji tries to uh tries to kiss kid as Kazuha but Conan and Ron realize that Kazuha, or the person who's appearing to be Kazuha, is actually Kid and stops it in time. And basically the rest of the case plays out that Kid goes and picks up the actual jewel that was still hidden within the ice block and had just been hidden among the fake jewels that had been placed in there by him. And Morifoshi had caught on to this very easily, as expected, and basically corners uh, Kid. Though Kid then uses his signature flash bomb and smoke screen to get out through a secret passage. And it turns out that Murafushi was completely aware of the secret passage and intentionally let Kid escape because he was planning to return the jewel to the rightful owner which is, in fact, the 
woman who was claiming that the jewel broker had conned her. And Heiji points out how, like, um, pink, po- pink pearl oysters are not anywhere, uh, are not uh, anywhere near Japan, and how they're, like, they're around the Gulf of Mexico. And, uh, basically how the broker didn't know what he was talking about and was basically lying. So, uh, yeah, that's basically where the case ends, and, like, Heiji, at the end of the case, is, like, the broker's con was the thing that I immediately knew was a fake, and then Kazuha's finally recovered from, uh, from the, from the sleep, uh, dosage that kid put her under, asked, like, Heiji, you didn't notice, did you, that I was a fake? And Heiji's like, it, it was the seaweed. It was definitely the seaweed that that made me notice that you were a fake, trying to like cover up the fact that he didn't realize it. I wish he could have said something like, "Yeah, it was a fake, as you weren't being a big bitch this whole chapter or something." I mean, like that would have been funny. When Kid was like Kazuha, he was being like super flirty though. And he he made her actually be tolerable for once. Yeah, I mean, kid. like I don't know. I, I think Kazuha's an okay character. He's kind of a bitch to AG. Poor AG, I feel bad for him. <laughs> um, anyways, Kid returns the jewel to the rightful owner, who was uh, at her grandmother's funeral, who had initially gave her the jewel. And meanwhile, Marufushi goes and picks up the letter that was left for him at the uh, Tokyo Police Department. And it's revealed that the the message or letter was actually uh left in date date san's locker um inspector date was a police officer who had passed away in a traffic accident a year ago and was takagi's mentor basically and uh basically date um amuro and matsuda had all been in like the same uh year in the police force so, like, Sato is, like, uh, being salty about how uh, they had always caused trouble and made it harder for the people in the younger years to uh, have more freedom because they had always been goofing off. So they show the message or parcel to uh, Monofushi, and it turns out that inside it is a phone with a or a bullet, bullet hole. And basically, like, Morofushi notices that on the back it's etched the letter H. And he realized that it belonged to his brother, Hiro, who we learn is actually Scotch, um, who is most known as the NPA officer who worked with the Amro as a spy in the Black Organization and had uh killed himself to hide his identity when he thought he was found out. So uh yeah, the big reveal is that Morifushi is Scotch's older brother, which is kind of a surprise. I definitely did not expect Morifushi of all people to be related to Scotch. <laughs> As someone who doesn't know the backlog, this all sounds like Japanese. <laughs> I mean, like, Scotch has kind of been an important character for a long time. They don't really bring him up much. much. They don't really bring him up that much for someone who's important. 
all they were talking about these days is rum. Or rum. They bring him up a fair bit, because like, he's like the whole revolving factor of the Akai-Amuro rivalry. Because like, Amuro thinks that Akai is the one who killed Scotch. Or Amuro. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I really like uh, I really like this case. I thought it was a fun uh, a really fun Kaido Kid case, but it also had uh, some great moments from Heiji and Kazuha, or I guess mostly Kid as Kazuha. Yeah, Kid should be Kazuha and, more uh, often. He's better Kazuha. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, it was also really cool seeing Morifushi because you usually don't see Morifushi without uh. Inspector Yamato, so it was cool seeing him solo for once, because Morifushi himself is also a really fun character, in my opinion. I just thought it was so, cool uh, seeing yeah. Kaido again, to be honest. Yeah, but I mean, Kaido always kind of, you know, is going to come back, though, like, but, like, seeing the, the this coalition of characters all together was really cool, because I don't think we've ever had a case where Heiji... Morifushi and Kaito were all in them at the same time. So I that, that was really cool. Yeah, can't wait to see that in the anime in five years from now. <laughs> yeah, hopefully the anime will get to it soon. They still haven't done uh, the... What was it? The freaking... Uh... That one where Ron kissed Shinichi and everyone had an orgasm about it. Yeah, that one. I for, I forget where they go. They were like went to a specific uh And that one's not coming out till like next oh, year. The school trip the school trip uh the school trip arc. And that one's not coming out until like twenty nineteen, I think. Right? Yeah, it's supposed to be like beginning of twenty nineteen that it comes out. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, um, a couple of years to that filler just becomes random zeros tea time chapters, I guess, right? Then it'll probably make more money than the regular filler the anime makes. Yeah, in any case, uh, the next co set of Conan chapters start at the end of November, and I'm certainly looking forward to them. But it's not like uh, we haven't been getting a Conan dose in the meantime in Shonen Sunday, because there's zeros tea time. Hey. And uh, Zero's Tea Time has been doing its usual thing of just, like, uh, having Amuro just do, a, like, a fun slice of life thing every week. Um, so there's not really much to go into detail plot-wise about what happens in these. So I guess uh, we might as well go through, like, each one of these uh, ten chapters that we're going to talk about from Volume 2. And I guess talk about highlights that we really liked from them. So, uh, starting off with chapter 11, this one was basically about, uh, Amuro and Kazami at a bar, and them just kind of getting drunk and celebrating after, uh, completing a very difficult mission. So I guess, like, my favorite part about this chapter was, uh, just how easily Kazami just gets, like, super drunk and then is just trying to compete with Amuro about it. And it's just, like, really, it's really funny seeing him, like, trying to, like, compete with Amuro, and Amuro's just nonchalantly, like, drinking, like, it's no problem. Yeah. And, uh, do you, do you have any, uh, thing that you really liked in this chapter, Allison? Uh, Kanzaki made some funny faces when he was drinking. You mean K Kazami? <laughs> 
a great name, Speed Lord. I should have just said glasses, dude. There's so many glasses, dude. Detective Conan's main character is a glasses guy. Yeah, but Conan doesn't show up that much in Zero's Daytime unless they want to, like, sell even more volumes than they already do. I don't think he's showed up at all yet. I mean, the Amaro like... hype train has just been rolling along without Conan showing up, so if they add Conan, it'll just make the hype train faster rate. Oh my. Um, anyways, uh, I guess we should move on to chapter 12. So, chapter 12 was about Andre Camel visiting, uh, Cafe Poirot, and unbeknownst to him, Amaro actually works there. So they're both kind of having this like awkward uh, um, conversation, and like Amaro's like, "Get out of the cafe uh, if you're not gonna order something," and like Camel's just like super pressured and like getting coffee and food, and he's just impressed by how good it is, and. uh Basically, the chapter ends with uh, Amuro holding off uh, Camel until a certain time of day where there's like a fireworks festival. <laughs> and like it basically makes it so that it, it takes it makes him rush to where he has to meet Jody. But at the same time, he's also able to uh, uh, like uh, see these like very cool fireworks that are going on in the background. So, while Camel still doesn't have, uh, like, a ton of respect for, uh, Amro, he at least has to appreciate that, uh, he, uh, gave him a good meal and let him see some fireworks. So, it was a, it was a pretty chill chapter. Yep. Um, and yeah, chapter 13 was, uh, also a pretty simple one. Hmm? I said angry Amro was also kind of hot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, Angry Amaro was uh, pretty pretty attractive. Um, the next chapter, chapter 13, was kind of uh, mostly apparently a dream sequence, as weird as it is. Like, it's basically the old, uh, the old woman that frequents Cafe Pearl is, like, basically dreaming up her own Azusa Amaro ship. And it's, like, just kind of a very weird, like, uh cute chapter that's just, like, filled with, like, uh, lovey-dovey, like, sexual tension between them. And it's not Sundari either, which is awesome. I'm not Sundari, I can't talk to each other, because if I say I love you, it'll end the whole show type thing. Yeah, we, we can't, uh, <laughs> we can't finish the show so early. But, uh, yeah, it was a cute little chapter. The food looked delicious. Yeah, I mean, the food always looks delicious, though. Yeah, Zero's Tea Time is just like a safe-for-work food wars. I mean, you get people occasionally eating food and looking attractive, but no clothes are flying off. Just saying. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, but, uh, the next chapter, chapter 14, was about, uh, basically Amara just chilling at home with, uh, his dog, Haro. And, uh, when he, uh, Amro's cooking dinner, he notices that uh, Haro accidentally stole a celery plant from the garden that he has. 
So he tries to give uh, Haro celery, thinking that uh, he'll like it, but it turns out Haro doesn't like celery at all. Um, and then the next day, he's uh, having like a celery salad, <laughs> and uh, he offers some of it to Kazami because Kazami's sick, and like celery's supposed to be good for like sicknesses. And it turns out uh, Kazami also doesn't like celery. <laughs> um, so yeah, another like very simple chapter. Eat that celery um, salad with them. <laughs> I mean, I like celery, so I would totally eat that salad. Then, uh, as we move on to chapter uh, 15, chapter 15 is basically about Kazami and uh, Amuro meeting at a curry place after uh, after a uh, <laughs> suspicious event the previous day. And, like, basically, K Kazami's struggling to get through the curry while Amuro is easily burning through it and most of the chapters like Kazami like struggling to get down this curry and when he finally finishes it he just like grabs the glass of water and just like talking about the sweet relief that it's giving him you are that curry looks delicious and I wanted to eat it even though I would also be like Kazami with my mouth on fire and tears coming out of my eyes I mean I love spicy food so I would totally eat that curry and page spread with Amro looking high as fuck and eating curry with Kazami with the flame mouth. That would totally be like you and me eating spicy food. But yeah, um, so then chapter 16 is also kind of a tie into chapter 15 because it takes place the like day before chapter 15. So, so a cute and color it's... page of Amro on the phone. Yeah, that that's also really cool. But basically, like, uh, Amuro is just going through his day like normal, and he notices this, uh, strange, uh, burglary, uh, car chase going on, and the police cop who's on a motorcycle near him suddenly collapses from, uh, from, like, uh, I think hitting the car itself of the burglar. So Amuro takes over for him and, like, chases the thief himself. And, like, he takes, he, like, basically, uh, corners him in, like, a shipyard area. And, like, he cops down from, like, one of the shipyard boxes and just rams the back wheel of the motorcycle into the windshield of the car and just, like, gives the dude a death stare. And then, like, ties him up and then calls the cops on him. And then it flashes forward to the curry place again, where Kazami is, like, recovered from the super spicy curry. And, like, you can notice that uh, Amuro has a band-aid on his head from, uh, from the previous day when he was uh, doing the chase. And Kazami's trying to figure out, like, who exactly was that person who was, like, chasing the the thief and like he's just in complete awe that it was Amuro <laughs> a lot of cool Amuro based action scenes in that chapter it's probably the most action we've seen in this manga since most of the time it's just Amuro looking hotter like freaking cooking something yeah, we really need something like this in Shonen Jump. Those Food Wars guys were onto something with that Sanji thing. 
You mean Shokukaki no Sanji? Yeah, they were onto something with that. I wish they could have kept it going. <laughs> oh, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Anyways, there's also that funny shot with Amuro making a ear pun. Yeah, that was also yep. pretty good. Yep. Cheeky. But, uh, Cheeky boy. Moving on to chapter 17. Chapter 17 is a pretty, like, basic chapter. It's basically about, like, basically uh, Azusa's brother, Sugihito, is, like, uh, taking care of uh, uh, his, her cat. And, like, they're trying to figure out why the cat doesn't like Sugihito. And it turns out that it's, like, a specific smell um, from uh, one of Sugihito's hobbies. And so they basically just change the odor on it. And uh, the cat just, like, like Sugihito now. Yeah, and that, that's basically all that happens. It's, it's kind of just a pretty basic, quick chapter. Yep, along with some random Conan reference to some random case in volume 84 or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I forgot about mentioning that. So, uh, yeah, so at the end of the chapter, uh, Amuro mentions that he remembered what happened to uh, Mor Mor uh, Kogoro back when he had to take care of uh, Goro, which is uh, Eri Kisaki's cat, uh, Kogoro's wife's cat which is also a pretty fun uh, uh case as well because that one's like uh like uh kogura has to so solve like some like uh weird like text message with the help of uh Aries cat and the cat's like giving like messages across like uh kogura's office to help him solve the case yeah fuck now really i want to read chapter. this damn it, it it's a it's a really good it's a really good set of chapters uh. I like it a lot. But, uh, moving on to the next chapter. Um, this one starts off with, uh, Azusa and, uh, one of her friends talking about how they want to have a fish menu item for Cafe Poroi. And, uh, basically, Amuro decides to go fishing to get a good catch to test out a new recipe on. So most of the chapter is just kind of him waiting to catch a fish, and uh, he's reminded of how he used to fish with a scotch back in the day when they were children. Yeah, that house he drove by with that glasses doing the window. What was that all about? Hmm? Oh, okay, yeah. So earlier in the chapter, you see before Amuro is leaving the the basic like the main area of the town he stops by Shinichi's house and currently Shinichi's house is being uh being uh lived in by uh Subaru Okiya who is Akai in disguise <laughs> oh okay that makes sense so yeah it's it's the usual Amuro hates Akai oh. because big misunderstanding uh, poor Amuro He's so tragic, yet um, so good. Yeah, and really, really like this, there's a portion of this chapter that really is bittersweet, where like you can see how much like Amuro cared about Scotch when they were children, and him just like fishing again after this long is bringing back good memories for him. And while he's like reminiscing, he finally catches like a big uh, black porgy, 
and he uses that to uh, cook uh, a whitefish gratin for uh, Azusa and her friend. And that's uh, how the chapter ends. It reminds me of that uh, one uh, one Shokugeki in Food Wars where uh, they had to like get like the most prime fish possible for like the finals of like, the fall classic against like uh, Kurikiba and Hayama. Eh, I miss when Food Wars didn't axe its whole cast for Erina. I mean, like, even now, like, it's not about Erina, it's about, like, Soma and, like, Ko trying to fight, like, Soma's stepbro. Yep. Good times. I mean, I, I could go into my thoughts about the current state of Food Wars, but that would be very off-topic. Okay. So let's move on to the final, uh, uh, story, which was a two-parter in this volume which is uh, chapters 19 and 20, which is mainly focused on Kazami playing like an RPG gacha game mm. type thing on his phone. And, like, he plays the game online with uh, a fr- online friend he made called Raychan. Yeah. And Raychan looks suspiciously a lot like Amuro. And Kazami starts to pick up on this when Rei-chan says that uh, in real life she has um, three different faces. And that's a line that Amro often says. So uh, he starts suspecting that uh, his online friend is Amro. And he gets like super anxious around Amro and starts like probing about certain things. About like, hey Amro, do you play video games or stuff like that? And Amro, like, vaguely says, like, a game? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I might be playing a game today. Just don't tell your, uh, friends, alright? And this just, like, surprises, uh, Kazami. Because he's starting to think that, yes, Rei-chan must be Amuro. I, I've been playing with my boss this entire time. Yeah, blame him for thinking that way. Yeah. And, like, he keeps asking more questions, uh. To Rachel, like her favorite color, which is white, and he remembers that Amro's RX seven is also white, and like, <laughs> um, how uh, she frequents a cafe, and Amro works at a cafe, and stuff like that, and like he finally asks, um, is uh Rachel your username based on your real name? And she says, that, yeah, it's from my real name, and he's just like thinking. Okay, he, he's clearly Amuro, because Amuro's real name is Fuyare. Oh, is that like a Japanese lettering type thing? Is there's like a thought bubble with crazy power marks that said Ray equals Ray, and I didn't get it? Oh, I think like a... Like a kanji thing? You know, oh, okay, yeah. So originally, is like, like a... Uh, crazy history yeah, thing? in the video game, in the video game, the Ray is written in, uh... In uh, Romaji, oh. but uh, Ray, uh, Ray's name, the name Ray in Furiare is usually written in kanji because it's a Japanese name. So it's like Japanese writing type thingy. Like, I, yeah, so like, because I didn't basically really what, what it's, yeah, it's, it's a thing that's lost in translation because we don't have like different character systems in the US. Okay. But yeah, the, the point is, like, they're like the. The name Ray is both Ray Chan's, or it's based on Ray Chan's real name, which makes Kazami assume that uh, <laughs> he's playing with Amuro, 
But then we realize that Amro does play a game, a phone game, but he's playing one with Asusa, not Kazami. And the person who's playing with Kazami is actually uh, Grandma Suriyama, the old lady who frequents Cafe Paroe. Grandma is the real troll in Zero State Time. <laughs> yes, and it turns out it, the Ray part of her name is from her f- uh, first name, Reiko. Oh. So, uh, yeah, so they uh, start uh, talking to her about uh, how they're playing games, and she says that she has three faces because she's a ballroom dancer, an Ikebana teacher, and a gamer. It's <laughs> an Ikebana teacher. Uh, Ikebana is, I think, like a uh, something, a uh, flower arrangement, I think. And uh, Amro is kind of impressed because, like, a real triple face. <laughs> Which is so ironic coming from him, considering he is a legitimate triple face. (laughs) And uh, we then see the chapter uh, end off with uh, Kazami now calling Rei Chandra-san. And then uh, asking uh, Amuro again um, the next day if if he does play games. And... Amro says that his idea of games is adapting to the place that he's infiltrating in. And Kazami realizes that he might have been completely misinterpreting what Amro was saying the other day. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's basically where all these uh, chapters end off, and that's like the end of Volume 2. Overall, uh, like, Zero's Tea Time hasn't really strayed from, like, the slice-of-life narrative that it's been sticking to. Um, a lot of some a lot of people were suspecting that maybe like it'll start doing like more plot heavy stuff now that Conan's on like like regular serialization, but it seems like it's just sticking to what works, like which isn't a bad thing. And whatever works works. <laughs> to really dense plot would be a bad idea. Yeah, I mean I've heard good things about Takahiro Rise, like more narrative narrative driven works. Yeah, but I just so, like think... I, I'm fine with like I'm fine with him doing this kind of method of more like the self contained like stories. I think for something like this where it's... he doesn't read Conan religiously like you do, will have a good time. So if they go to plot and reference Conan stuff from a Bourbon art chapters, it will be a bad idea. Yeah, that's also a fair point. The advantage here is that this is very much accessible to anyone and at any time, which I think is part of the reason why it's selling so well, because it has the Conan brand on it, but not the long and uh, kind of elaborate narrative that Conan has. It's like a UC Gundam, Universal Century Gundam. You mean like Detective Conan would be the UC Gundam and the and Zero's Tea Time would be the non UC yes. series? Yeah, so like Conan would be like seventy nine and onwards to like one in the Universal Century is times like the G Gundam or the Gundam Build Divers and Gundam Build Fighters. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying, uh, I'm enjoying, like, Zero's Tea Time's kind of just sticking to kind of these slice-of-life stories, and they're just kind of a fun, quick read. 
I think if they just stick to this, they'll do good in the sales and keep showing Sunday alive. And then when Conan gets back, an author guy doesn't have to worry as much about making filler because the Amaro stuff will do the filler work for him. So he can just focus on the plot. Yeah. That, that's a good point because I feel ever since they've started this pattern of having Oyama come back for a few chapters then go back on hiatus for, for uh, Zero's Tea Time to take its place, every case has ended with something important happening. And I feel if it sticks to that trend, I'm happy because like, then like whenever Conan's back, there is something that's moving forward. Yeah, it's like everybody wins. Don't read Conan can enjoy Amaro being cool guy who cooks and does cool stuff. And then the regular Conan fans will see Conan coming back and be like, plot is actually happening. Or you can be me and just like both. <laughs> Sometimes on Conan Twitter, I see a divide between people who like regular Conan and people who like Amaro. Yeah, and I, I can see why the series isn't for everyone, because it's not, it's not really Conan. <laughs> it's Amro's slice of life adventures, or Amro cooks something this week, or do does something, like, cool. There's no real, like, action or, like, mystery involved like Conan. Yes, it's place in Shonen Sunday, which Shonen Sunday really needs right now. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of the bigger hits in Shonen Sunday right now, and it's selling insane. And Poor it's... Shonen Sunday, I love you, but you need help. Yeah, I mean, like, interestingly enough, lately, the Conan apocalypse, as it's been dubbed, has been happening, where Conan sales have just been insanely high. So I think by when we get to the end of your sales, Conan is just going to be shooting through the roof. Yeah, I heard Volume 1 sold really good, because Volume... 95 reference plot stuff. Yeah, I think that was the one where they finally uh, revealed the identity of uh, the boss of the Black Organization. Oh. So that probably had a lot to do with it, and that gave people more incentive to uh, catch up, because there's, it's a clear sign that the series is heading towards a climax, even if it's still a little bit of a bit of, bit of a ways away. Yeah, but the good thing is uh, the... The Conan writer can take a break to think out some more actual plot ideas, and Amaral can sell Shonen Sunday without needing that guy to think of filler stuff, because he repeats stuff a lot. So many freaking camping arcs. Yeah, there's definitely uh, plot ideas that are repeated a lot in Conan. Locked room murders especially feel like they're super abundant. And, uh, yeah, so like it gives them time to... I guess, come up with some more, like, uh, untraditional kind of uh, situations for Conan to be in. Maybe create some new character dynamics like he did with uh, this recent case uh, with Monofushi, Kaito, and Heiji, a combination that we had never really seen before. And, yeah, just, like, play around with stuff. Um, I'm, I'm fine with waiting on uh, the more mysteries uh, with... Uh, Karasuma and the Black Organization and all that stuff. I, I can wait on that. But it, it's good to see progress happening when it does. So I'm, I'm all for this. 
I wouldn't mind if the plot breaks and regular Conan was just mostly Conan fighting Kaido. That, that'd be nice. I mean, I think that would get kind of stale. Plus, I'm not the biggest, like, uh, Kaido fan. Okay, true. It's just... Kaido is, like, Bishon and Lupin, so I always get... Found. I still want them to make that Kaido Kid versus Lupin the third film that they joked about at the end of, uh... The Detective Conan versus Lupin the Third film. Uh, yeah, that'll be awesome. Uh, I, I love that so much. Please make it happen, TMS. Yeah, you'd get a whole lot of international appeal. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Maybe. Oh no. Um, I've been told Kaido is more popular outside Japan than in Japan. I mean, he's actually really popular in Japan. But like... I don't know, like, I feel like he definitely has a large fan base outside Japan, too. But I guess in a lot of circles that, I guess, like, we frequent, he's not as big. Yeah, I mean, I can get why, because Kaido is, like, exotic character or something. Yeah. Yeah. But in any case, uh, this discussion has gone on pretty long, so I guess uh, we should uh, wrap this up here. Allison, where can the good people find you? It's Meowth Manager on Twitter. I have a Thanksgiving theme, but I don't know if by the time B-Lord puts this up, it'll still be Thanksgiving. I mean, I hope to put this up by, like, next week, but we'll see. Just basically be dead from the apocalypse that is education. Hooray college. Hooray college. But yeah, um, as for me, people can find me on Twitter at VLORDGTZ, and you can find the podcast on Twitter at Drowning in Manga, as well as on All Comic, that is all-comic.com, and basically you can keep up with when our episodes are coming out, hopefully these episodes are going to be coming out more frequently now, um, and yeah, basically... Send us questions, comment, feedback, all that stuff. Just uh, uh, let us know how we're doing and keep enjoying the show. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Later. Yeah.